Hello, and welcome to Everybody's National Parks. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to let you know that Everybody's National Parks is now on Patreon. If you would like to support our show, please go to our homepage, everybodysnationalparks.com, and click on the link, Support Our Show. Today, Brian speaks with brothers Andrew and Brian Lynn of Adventure Archives. They have an amazing film series on YouTube about their adventures with their friends, Thomas and Robbie. You will see them explore beautiful places in nature, in our country, and around the world. In addition to the Smoky Mountains, they've also done videos of Yosemite, Shenandoah, Yellowstone. In the following conversation, Andrew and Brian mention that Zion National Park is on their wish list. You can listen to our series on Zion in episodes 3.1 through 3.5. The cinematography is exquisite. The narration is very thoughtful, and the music is all original. You will get to see these four friends having fun together, exploring nature, hiking, backpacking, identifying plants and trees, and demonstrating their bushcraft skills. You can find Adventure Archives on their YouTube channel, as well as on Facebook, Twitter, and on Patreon. We are patrons, and we hope that you will support them on Patreon, too. Okay, I'm here with Andrew and Brian Lynn from Adventure Archives. Uh, Adventure Archives is a, I'm going to say, film series, not a video series that diminishes the quality of it. It's a film series that you can uh, subscribe to and watch on YouTube, as well as their uh, their podcast, which is called Campfire Chronicles. And you can also find them on Twitter. Their uh, handle is at uh, A-D-V-A-R-C-H-A-D-V-A-R-C-H. Uh, for Adventure Archives. Well, fellas, thank you very much for uh, joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having, for having us. Uh, I'm sure your podcast is miles more entertaining <laughs> than ours, though. <laughs> I, I, I listen to yours, so I really like yours. So no, it's, oh. it's, this, is, this, is, this is a mutual admiration society. And uh, so we really enjoy your, um, we'll get into it. We really enjoy Adventure Archives. And uh, I think probably it behooves you all to explain exactly what is Adventure Archives and what what is your... Uh, your film series. Tell me if that's uh, if I'm being too pretentious and <laughs> calling it that, but I, I, I really want to speak to the quality of it. So, uh, kind of give us some background on Adventure Archives, you and uh, and your pals uh, Robbie and Thomas. Yeah, sure. That's that's very flattering. <laughs> but uh, so, so I guess we kind of started Adventure Archives as like I mean I think Robbie and I had slightly different visions, but for me, right after college, I had finished reading Walden, and I kind of just wanted to like create nature writing in video form. Um, so basically, like, be able to capture the rom- romance of nature with, like, beautiful cinematography and put in some philosophical notes. I guess it can just be summed up as, like, we go backpacking and we document our trip and we tell viewers how it made us feel. Right. <laughs> and uh, we try to make it really beautiful in the process. <laughs> I think you're being too modest by too modest by half. I think what when we stumbled across it, um, or when I stumbled across it in my feed, uh, I, I think the appeal was... Uh, you're right. I think you have hit your mark that it's a, um, it's very much a, a, a visual interpretation of kind of the romance of the outdoors. Uh, but it is extraordinarily well done by you all, not only the narration. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so your writing is on point, but uh, the filming of it as well. So as opposed to when you usually go on YouTube and maybe you look up a hike or a park you want to go in, it's a, 
it's a well-meaning, well, an earnest fellow who's got a GoPro, very shaky and uh, not much editing at all. Uh, whereas sure. it, clearly you all have a background um, in either film or film editing. So it seems uh, it, it's extraordinarily well done and it's a pleasure to watch. And also, I think the other thing, uh, while, I'm, while I'm patting you guys on the back, the <laughs> it's not the usual beats of some sort of reality show that you may see. There's no, um, mm-hmm. I mean, you have your ups and your downs of your trips, but there's no created conflict or anything like that. It is truly the, the yeah. you guys are great, but the star of the show usually is the park that you're visiting or where you are. That's usually the star mm-hmm. of the show. And I, I would bet that's probably how you guys uh, prefer it, right? That that's the, that's the star of the show. Yeah, absolutely. The thing with these um, videos and, and, you know, the parks that we go to is we're really not that much more experienced than a lot of people may think. Um, we go to these parks. It's like the first time we've been there. And when you see the way we experience it in the videos, um, it's usually, I mean, it, it, it's always genuine. Uh, so like you said, the park is really the star of the show because we go there and we experience it for the first time. And we want people to be able to see just how we, we feel when we, you know, visit that park. Um, and that's kind of like what we want to convey to the people who watch it too. Um, I, I would say it was definitely a conscious decision to sort of like stray away from the sort of like drama you see in a lot of reality shows when it, that deal with nature and deal with the outdoors on TV. From the get-go, we wanted to create something that was much more relaxing. And I, I would argue that we do like sort of dramatize it in a way, but in a way that we think nature is deserving of. Right. And, and I don't know if this was an, an unintended consequence, but um, therefore, by extension, it's very family-friendly. And so our girls, who of course go on all these trips with us, they love your series, and uh, they know each of you by name. And so, if, if Thomas isn't in one, they're well, where's Thomas? You know, are they mad at Thomas? I, I don't. I don't. Maybe they are. I don't know. But he's not. He's not in this one. That's none of our business. But uh, they. It's it's very family friendly because that that entry. Not that it's simplistic, but the entryway is um is pretty broad. So it's you know it's a, there's a lot of this could be you. Um, with mm-hmm. with one exception and or two exceptions is you all seem to have some practice with bushcraft and and Andrew in particular you have an expertise that I'm very envious <laughs> of on the flora. So can you give us some background on on where that came from? It, was that something you guys always had, or have you learned it over the last few years, or, or where did those where did those skills come from? So I think uh, we've always really been into like survival stuff. I mean, we watched Man vs Wild when that more or less came out and we watched survivor man growing up i think for me the whole identifying plants and stuff really came about when i was like applying to graduate school (laughs) because i don't know it was kind of like a point in my life where it was pretty stressful lots of anxiety about where i was heading next and i just felt like i had to do something besides focusing on that and just randomly one time i went to ohio's uh, department of natural resource website and i was looking at a page they had with all the different trees and how you could identify them. And it was winter at the time. And I just went out and started trying to learn how you could identify these trees without any of the leaves or anything like that. And from there, I just started learning more plants. Uh, I would take pictures of things I didn't really know, but that really stood out. And I would go home and try to identify them on the internet. And then, you know, a little bit later, I down the road, I, I took some classes here and there, and that really helped bolster the, the identification skills. But yeah, I, I mean, I think basically it started as a hobby and it's just something that whenever I go on like a day hike, I, I try to learn one or two things. Now, 
Now, Brian, how uh, do you take with and you, and you guys are brothers, and uh, and I have a brother as well, so I can probably guess the dynamic. Do you do you take everything Andrew says as gospel, or do you ever get the? Because I have a very good buddy of mine. He's actually been on this podcast, and he's a bit like uh, Andrew. Um, he just grew up. Uh, but then I realized my other pals and I, we realized, you know, we have no way when we're on the hike, we don't really know if he's telling us the truth or he's just making it up on the spot. So, so, so Brian, how, how often do you guys uh, raise your, arch your eyebrow at Andrew or, or is everything you think uh, pretty accurate? Well, I pretty much trust him in what he says because, you know, if we're all on a trip together, if something goes wrong, you know, he's um he's in the same boat as us. So I think he's uh, got our best interests out for us. Um, whenever he's pointing things out, if he's like, "Hey, try this berry," <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, but but he he he, ex- he uh, also expresses the same types of caution, especially when um, we're like looking at mushrooms and things like that. Uh, I think any novice, any person who's like a novice in, at identifying mushrooms would know that if you aren't a hundred percent sure what it is, you know, you you don't even put it in your mouth or anything like that. But, you know, he's he's the only one out of the four of us who really has the strong passion for identifying the flora. Uh, so we just let him say what he says. <laughs> and we, we pretty, yeah, we pretty much believe him. <laughs> there, there have been moments where I'll say a really weird plant name and they'll be like, you could just be making this up. <laughs> yeah. I would totally believe you. That, that's what we say about Dave. We usually <laughs> yeah. give him the ball on these trips to, uh, to, to he's, he's kind of our Andrew, but uh, there, there's a few times where we realize, you know, he, this could be, he could be full of it. We have no way to know right now. We, we can't even check, you know, we're in no cell reception, but, uh, but that's, that's part of the fun. Well, you know, I, I promise we're going to drill into the Smokies in a, in a bit, but you know, you, you all, you know, our, our podcast is focused on the national parks and, uh, and traveling to the national parks and, and a bit of a, a primer on how to navigate the national parks, both literally and figuratively, if you're deciding on a Zion or Yellowstone, or in this case, the Smokies for a family trip. Um, but you all, you know, you've been in national parks, you've been, uh, some of your series has cover, have covered uh, Yellowstone and Shenandoah, and of course, the Smokies. But you also go to state parks, national wilderness areas. When you visit these areas, what are some of the differences that you find in visiting a national park versus a state park or a wilderness area or national forest? Um, and what are some of the advantages um, of going to some of those other places? Or what are some of the things that you really like when you're in a national park? So I can say a couple things. Um, like two things that really stand out for me when I'm planning a trip is uh, national park websites are usually way more organized, uh, have much better maps and are, they, ha- they have a lot more resources for you to plan a trip. But the trade-off is that when you go to a national forest or a wilderness area or something like that, they're much more, especially with national forests and state forests, they're much more open about letting you have a truly wild experience. So you don't have to like stay restricted to the trails. You can wander off the, off of them. And not only that, but you can also camp wherever you want, uh, start an open fire in most places and just sort of like get that real experience of going off the trail and creating a campsite wherever you want. Yeah. So I, I would say that that's the biggest difference that I notice. Uh, well, like you said, the national parks have a lot more resources. So I, I would actually say that, you know, for people who are newer to backpacking, uh, going to an, a national park or something, you know, more well-known place would actually be a better first trip because of the amount of resources available, the level of organization there is. Um, and 
just that there's usually less risk of like getting lost or things like that because there's a lot more people there of course that may not be something a lot of people enjoy because we, we often get comments on like our yosemite video for example where people say oh there's there's so many crowds and the crowds there and and where can i go to you know get away from the crowds here and that's one of the tough things when you're going to these national parks is you're always going to be running into people and sometimes it may be difficult to kind of um, really immerse yourself in nature and things like that when you're constantly running into uh, random strangers on the trail not that that this is necessarily a bad thing but sometimes people get out there to kind of uh, just enjoy the solitude for a bit mm -hmm. do you all do any orienteering have you ever done a map and compass navigating uh on your on your trips uh not on any of the trips we filmed i think i i think like the closest we've come to that was in one of our really early episodes in morgan monroe where we went off trail and had to use a map and compass but it wasn't anything like serious but that is definitely yeah. something we want to do i, I mean it's at, at least been something that's been on my mind i would really love to do <laughs> more of an off trail thing where we have to use map and compass to navigate but we haven't gotten around to that yet yeah well well you and me both it's uh I haven't done that since Boy Scouts. I had the merit badge. Yeah, we did that too, actually. I'm a little bit older than you guys. It's It's been a minute since I've done it. So <laughs> I actually just signed up at REI for a uh, orienteering course so I can figure it out. And that'll be something I'll do with, mm -hmm. with a, I won't do with the kids right away because that would be awful. And I don't trust my yeah. sense of direction, but that, that's one of the next steps, uh, next <laughs> steps for us. And, you know, with that, I think you know this in, in some of the national parks, you know, actually, I think Yellowstone is one where uh, you can get off trail uh, and you can traverse it. Just, they're, they're big enough. And, um, you know, the, the other thing we, we've, uh, yeah. we've discovered and it's a tip we give is yes, you have to, you know, Yellowstone summertime, you're dealing with crowds, but there are, there are plenty of trails, not that far away where you can get away from folks uh, pretty easily. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> which leads us to talking about your Smokies trip because, you know, smoke, uh, great Smoky mountain national park, our most visited national park. But uh, you picked a certain time of year and a certain weather pattern and certain trails <laughs> where I, uh, I think you ran by a few folks, but mostly it was, uh, it was the three of you and, and uh, the three of you solo. So you want to talk a little bit about your, uh, your trip to Smokies in the, in the rain? Yeah. So uh, I'm trying to remember the trailheads. We, we were at the Mount Camera Trail. Uh, well, the Cosby Knob Trailhead is where me and Brian started. And uh, <laughs> Robbie started at another trailhead but the big creek trailhead and we all took three different paths and uh i mean i don't know i think we probably had too much stuff in our packs and the weather was terrible but i think for all of us at some point it got pretty exhausting well if i could just interject i think a lot of it has to do with i think that was like the real first trip we had done where we were trying to film in the rain and oh yeah yeah it's one thing to backpack in the rain like you if you have a raincoat and stuff it, it's it's an it's an annoyance but when you're trying to manage like a camera set up shots and a, a tripod and you're just soaking wet it, it becomes right. it really drains drains you when you're doing that <laughs> yeah we had little yeah. plastic ziploc bags over our cameras <laughs> yeah you know your hikes if you if you actually look at your pace your pace is slow not because you guys are laggards but and i have no idea but you're setting up shot after shot and um you know we look at we we were just looking at your latest film pictured rocks and within a 20 second clip there's five or six separate shots which you know it's again mm -hmm. it's not just me with my shaky gopro 
it's uh, it's pretty thoughtful and thought out and and then you set up the shot and you walk by it yeah i can't imagine doing it in the pouring rain we did some hikes we, our trip to smokies was also rain soaked mm -hmm. and uh, that was mm -hmm. just us plowing ahead i can't imagine stopping getting cold while setting up a, a shot so that 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 had to be pretty pretty rough at some point and you're solo you're by yourself yeah. yeah for sure i i will say ironically in a way each of us was able to film less because when we put all our footage together it ended up being longer <laughs> but um but it, it was still really tough and especially i think being alone was a very like psychological aspect of what made the trip hard because i mean you're you're just hiking for miles and mm -hmm. you're going uphill the whole time and there's there's no one else that, like out there with you to encourage you to keep going and i don't know I, sometimes it, you just sort of get this like <laughs> sense of desolation especially when the weather's like gray and rainy yeah uh, up until then we had done you know group hikes and when we when we film you know we we pretty much just try and act natural you know we're, we're with family we're with friends and uh, the way we talk and and the enjoyment just comes naturally but uh, in the smoky mountain um trip when we were solo it was just something completely different you don't have anyone to talk to you can't just you can't converse you can't interact with anyone and so basically it just comes down to you sitting there talking to the camera or just saying your thoughts aloud and it's really a completely different experience just from being with at least one other person so it was it was definitely psychologically uh, kind of a challenge too which you all were very honest about and i think that's shown through the the film is that uh, uh there was nothing no insincerity about it you were you were fairly honest about it but do you think do you think you would do that again uh, hopefully in better weather and do you think you would enjoy it i mean some people would love the solitude of getting away and going on an overnight trip for uh, a night or two and then meeting up with buddies afterwards do you do you think you would do something like that again we've discussed this actually before um I and I think we all do agree that we would do it again, especially if the weather was better. I think I think we underestimate just how much the weather really affected us on that trip. Um, but yeah, I, I think we would all enjoy a solo hike. And we sort of kind of did it in, um, what was it, Wayne, Andrew? Yeah, yeah. I, I think we've done it wasn't solo, so to speak. But well, you were solo in Red River Gorge for like a day also or half a day. Yeah. And, and I do remember really enjoying the moments that I got to be alone. I, I will say, I think, uh, well, first of all, I, I have always really liked the idea of going solo. And I've actually done a solo hike in the Smokies before, but then I didn't have enough stuff to, like, boil water with. But but I think, like, nowadays we would be able to, like, prepare ourselves a lot more thoroughly and be able to pack a lot lighter. And I think that would also add to it. But, yeah, no, I think there's definitely something about hiking solo that's very know, it's different in a really good way right I, well look uh, it's it's not part of my life right now but it's something that uh mm -hmm. i guess just with our family and that's what we're trying to share with them but sometimes it has its appeal that's why i was living vicariously through <laughs> kind of like getting away from it all but also it has its its hardship now mm -hmm. you mentioned a few things i want to drill down again this you know our podcast is kind of a uh, you know some helpful tips about visiting the national parks and you mentioned mm -hmm. You know, backcountry camping, which of course is what you all do, other than you know some front country camping as a as a means mm -hmm. to an end. Mm -hmm. I will say you did miss out on Cosby. We stayed at Cosby, and it's a very nice camp. <laughs> yeah. So you, you you were shut out on that, and I feel bad for you guys. But uh, next time, yeah. Sure. And something I've struggled with is I'm working on my backpacking, getting the weight down. Mm -hmm. Um, 
what, what are some of the things that you do, you both do again? And I, I, I'll lead, I'll, I'll kind of lead you down this path here a bit, but, uh, you know, Andrew, do you want to talk about your sleeping arrangements as opposed to Brian, what, what you do, but, mm-hmm. um, what are some of the, what are some of the tips you have? And I'm going to be <laughs> taking notes here because I can use some help here with, with kind of slimming down my pack as well. Well, I guess one thing I've, uh, so we, we went on the Whitney trip recently, uh, me, Thomas and Robbie went on that and that required a lot of light packing. And I think, well, food was a huge thing, first of all, because a lot of times when we go on these trips, uh, we intentionally bring like a lot of ingredients just to prepare something elaborate and interesting because we like showing that you can eat well in the wilderness. But in, in Whitney, we yeah. went the route where we just had a lot of like freeze dried pre-made stuff and that really lightened our packs a lot. And I think, uh, materials like the the sorts of insulation that you're bringing really helps a lot so on the whitney trip i borrowed brian's down jacket and down is just like a wonderful insulator and it's very light it packs down really small and robbie recently got a down sleeping bag which is really warm so i think that's definitely a big uh helpful thing and yeah i don't know i think a lot of it really does boil down to just thinking about do you really need something yeah (laughs) and like how often are you using this which is the point of it. Mm-hmm. Andrew, do you want to talk about your uh, your sleeping arrangements? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I use a tarp. I think it's a Equinox Egret tarp. And I've been using this for a while now. Uh, but yeah, basically, it's just a big nylon green sheet that you can tie up on a tree. And I love it because you can arrange it in all sorts of different ways. Like you can make a lean-to or you can make sort of an A-frame shelter. But it just keeps the rain off you and you don't have anything underneath you. So if you're squeamish about like sleeping on the bare ground, that's one thing. But I don't know. I love it because it's a lightweight system and it's also, it lets you sleep out in the open air and you can just crawl right out and look at the stars if you want to. But it's definitely reduced the weight a lot from when we used tents more often. Seems like you do need some knot tying skills though for uh, for that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm sure you could figure something out with uh, like square knots, but it does help a lot to be able to use knots that you can like dismantle really easily or uh, that helps keep your tarp really taut. But I mean, they're, they're not too tough to learn. And you, uh, you don't get torn up by mosquitoes and other, <laughs> other nits when you're sleeping on it. I guess it depends where you are, but I, I just remember the, uh, I, I got into camping through Boy Scouts, mm-hmm. which used to be the kind of traditional way. My, my folks weren't really outdoors and uh, I took a wilderness survival uh, course and I just got wrecked in the woods of Rhode Island, mm-hmm. uh, sleeping under a lean-to that I built. And I, I always watch that. And I cringe when I'm like, "How is he getting torn up or not? I don't know. I know sometimes <laughs> you've been under a screen, but uh, I, I always uh, tremble when I see you because I think about uh, my experience. So do, do you, or is it, it just basically you judge time of year and where elevation that you're just, it's just not buggy? Yeah, you just, you kind of have to judge and play it by ear. And I mean, they do, they do sell like bivy bags you can use that will keep you protected. Uh, from stuff like that but yeah no i i think we've gotten pretty lucky about that every time i've used a tarp i will say uh (laughs) in one of our earlier episodes to sleeping bear dunes we stayed at a little campground and it was super mosquito-y and it was also really hot and muggy so at first i was like really insistent that i was going to stay under the tarp but i think in the middle of the night i like moved to brian's tent (laughs) yeah nowadays you see me using a hammock but if i expect bad weather or even robbie you know we we bring sometimes bring two person tents, so he at least always has a backup, <laughs> just right, in case. Right. 
you're a good brother. I just went <laughs> camping in Olympic with my brother. And I think he would have told me to get the hell out if I tried. To. <laughs> so, you're a good dude. Um, uh, so you talked about some of this is your sleeping material. Some of it's the uh, you're down and and the food that you bring along what are some of the other necessary equipment that you bring that you find necessary regardless of the weight that you you would not compromise what what are some of those things some sort of system to filter water for sure is is going to be essential and th- this can vary a lot in weight you know you can bring a filter system like we have or you can bring tiny little vials of like uh, iodine drops to purify your water and a lot of people who prefer a lightweight system go that route um i would definitely bring a container of some sort. And again, this can also vary in its size, but any sort of thing to be able to cook water and food in is going to be important, I think. And then sometimes I, we just don't even bring any sort of stove because if we're going somewhere where we can start a fire, uh, then we feel pretty sure about being able to start one. So if you feel confident enough in that, or if you're okay with eating cold food and the chance that you can't start a fire, then a stove might be something that you could overlook. But which is just part of those those bushcraft skills you guys have acquired uh, over the <laughs> over the years. You know, it's it's funny, Danielle. Uh, she had a, a friend. Danielle's uh, um, a, re- a returned Peace Corps volunteer, oh, wow. and she has a fellow Peace Corps veteran who actually was running a camping for women course and uh, i just on the heels of watching one of your videos and daniel said i'd like to sign up for it and uh i said absolutely check if they have bushcraft skills because you you need these skills so you can you can teach me so because it's been it's been a while so uh it, it seems like some of those things that you guys have uh have you picked you've picked up as well as how to start a fire birch bark feathering sticks that sort of thing and and you guys use flint and flint and steel to to spark it up usually uh to to get things going i know sometimes you've had some cheats when you don't want to freeze but but that's totally yeah. allowable so you use that stuff as well to try to to try to uh you know use some of those skills wherever you can uh up and down the line for sure for sure and it, I, I think not only does it help with like being prepared but it does it's also sometimes it creates a more enjoyable experience i mean it's very satisfying to start a fire with like a ferro rod or and it's just it's nice to be able to go and appreciate the flora and stuff like that. Right, right, right. Well, part of that, I'll, and I'll, I'll get off the the pack. You know, you all bring knives. My, my brother and I were actually discussing this. You know, he he insists on bringing an axe. Would you? And of course, he's he's just taking stuff that's already on the ground or or standing dead trees. Would you recommend an axe, or do you think there's just enough stuff lying around that you can work it out from there? Oh, I would say it's mostly preference. Especially if you're going to less populated places, there's generally going to be a lot of things on the ground. I don't know. I, I, I don't want to speak negatively about your brother's <laughs> opinions because I, I think bringing an axe is just fine, but they're real. They're really yeah. heavy, and um, a, a knife has just always been enough, or has always you know worked in any yeah. situation we've been in. So I will say, I think if you're, it depends like where and when you're going. Like if you're going further north and it's uh during the colder seasons and there's snow, then an yeah. axe can be really useful to like start a fire. I mean, I've, I've never actually done a truly like Arctic sort of trip uh, up in the North, right. but I mean, an axe would be really useful for that sort of situation where you can cut down wood and make sure you have enough firewood to keep warm. Um, I will say like if, if I were going to bring something other than a knife, sometimes a saw is really useful yeah. because you'll find Mm-hmm. bigger pieces of dead wood and you'll be able to saw it and then split it with your knife. Yeah. And well, it, it, it speaks to my brother. He lives in the Pacific Northwest and 
we went to a yeah. local area. So for him, it's you know we got it. We need an axe so I can cut away. Uh, literally, we we got driftwood. We camped on the beach and we had to cut away mm-hmm. wood that was soaking to uh-huh. get to um, the dry parts. And that was uh, and it was cedar and it was beautiful once we got it rolling. But that that was his that was his opinion. Mm-hmm. Well, look at this is this is amazing. What are some of the other things we can look forward to from you guys? Uh, don't tell us any of the uh, secrets you're not supposed to tell. But what are some of the other things you guys have in mind for future trips? <laughs> uh, well, there is a chance that we'll be having a, a big international trip because I think Robbie's dad is like talking with some people over there because he he was planning on going to China for family business or something. So there's there, there's a chance that we might be going there, uh, but we haven't really talked about that I, yet. I failed to mention you you do have films from Germany, Japan. Uh, with China as well. And it's, uh, so yet you're international in scope. I shouldn't be so limiting to the United States. You, 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 you've spread your wings far and wide. (laughs) We try to, yeah. I mean, we can't always go to another country, obviously, but yeah. uh, I don't know, Brian, do we have anything like big planned or? Well, I guess we do have the the voting episode, which kind of, kind of settles that we're going to go somewhere. (laughs) Uh, But I don't know which one's leading the votes right now. Uh, Cumberland Gap, I believe. Yeah, we've got a voting episode, and the choices are uh, Cumberland Gap National Historic Park, the Wildcat Trail, which is part of Wayne National Forest in Ohio, and Land Between the Lakes yeah. in Kentucky. Right. And I think Cumberland is winning right now. But. <laughs> Including that, that includes my vote. I voted for Cumberland as well. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Putting a thumb on the scale. What, um, I guess I guess we'll end with a couple questions. What are mm-hmm. some, just again, our our, our biases towards national parks what are some national park wish lists mm-hmm. what are some parks that you know i have i have some i've never been to sure. that i'm dying to go to uh, so mm-hmm. I'll, I'll start with you bry what, what's what's a national park that's it's just on the top of your list that you you'd like to get to well if i can mention two that you've never been to. um I, oh well that i've never been to hmm. sure i was gonna say sequoia because i hadn't been there in a long time that counts but if i had to choose one I, yeah if, but if i would choose one that i've never been to i'd probably say uh, Zion. Yeah. Um, uh, my dad went there with his uh with his um his dad and and my mom and yeah. the pictures there were beautiful and it it's really kind of in an environment that I haven't experienced yet yeah so well, so I think I would really really enjoy go- going out there well, I, I think you guys would we we've uh we actually have a series on Zion that's up oh okay and uh it was um and Daniel and I had been way back in 2002 uh, and it remains one of my my favorite, and I think Danielle as well, our favorite national parks. Mm-hmm. Um, one, it's pretty compact for a, a out west national park, but uh, the vistas. And again, with your with your film and editing skills, I think you guys would have a field day there. But uh, what surprised me there is also um, we had a very great wildlife visit, <laughs> which I did not anticipate, including. California condors on the Angel's Landing Trail flying right over our heads, these massive, highly endangered birds. Oh, wow. Um, That's so cool. But including, we saw rattlers and tarantulas wow. um, just hanging out. So it was, uh, That's awesome. it was a pretty intense uh, wildlife visit, which we were not anticipating. And of course, um, I think when you see the Narrows Trail, if you guys know it, or Subway, those are uh, yeah. it's just some iconic trails. So uh, I, I endorse Zion. It's, uh, it's a great spot. And, and Andrew, what about you? Well, Zion is definitely one that uh, was on my list, and we've gotten so many comments about that. But uh, I think yeah. one of the ones I'd like to do next is either Glacier National Park or Rocky Mountains National Park. 
And I, I would love to do the Rocky Mountains uh, Park in, in the autumn, like, I don't know, mid-September when all the aspen trees are turning yellow. That's just been a dream of mine. But uh, I've also, for some reason, I've been obsessed with this park in Nevada called Great Basin National Park, which I think is the least visited park. <laughs> and my daughter, I'm looking at it right now. She made a list, my eight-year-old, of where she wants to go on Great Basin is number seven. <laughs> so she des- oh, wow. she's desperate for Great Basin, too. <laughs> So yeah, I just it looks really cool, and it's got those old bristle cone trees. <laughs> uh, and Rocky, look, I I was we went to Rocky. My my version of Thomas and Robbie, my high school buddies, <laughs> we went to um, Rocky Mountain in 2011 in the spring. Mm-hmm. So there was still snowpack, which was uh, which was fun to hike on top of the snowpack. You know, we felt like Legolas from Lord of the Rings because <laughs> you know we were we were totally. mid level on these trees that in the you know we'd be eight feet under uh when the snow melted but it was i don't remember too much it was 11 and it's been a while so uh, before we started this project so we all want to get back there too i, I wouldn't say yeah. rocky uh that well but yeah great basin mm-hmm. is on there on there as well there's so many to visit and of course alaska is the great white whale right getting to the alaska parks which yeah. seems to be almost a separate category <laughs> or should be yeah we actually last year we were thinking we were going to do alaska like last year's summer but uh that ended up not happening obviously but but that is a huge dream of ours to go to denali not to climb denali but just to hike around i'll settle for seeing it because i I, apparently you go to the park and it's a hit or miss whether or not you ever see uh denali because of uh cloud cover but yeah yeah, i'm with you that's that's another uh that's another bucket list one as well 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 listen fellas we really appreciate the time again i'm here with uh, Andrew and Brian Lynn from Adventure Archives. Uh, please check out their film series. Uh, the latest one is on Pictured Rocks, if I'm not uh, not mistaken, but including yep. uh, National Park episodes on Shenandoah, uh, Yellowstone, Yosemite, um, and of course, Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly of it all. So uh, please check that out. Fo- give them a follow on Twitter again at uh, ADV. A R C H. Um, and they're also on Patreon as well. And so please, uh, as we have, please support them on Patreon because they're doing a really great. And again, I don't know if you mentioned this, if you guys acknowledge this or not, but, uh, it turns out it's very, very family friendly. So, uh, again, it's uh, our kids (laughs) love it. And I imagine other families would love it as well. So thank you all for all the good work you're doing and please give our regards to your other partners, uh, Thomas and Robbie as well. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. This was great. Thanks guys. Yeah. Have a good one. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Everybody's National Parks. Show notes and links to resources for this episode may be found on our website, everybodysnationalparks.com. You might find the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. If you like the show, write a review and please tell your friends. You can also go to our website, everybodysnationalparks.com and click on support our show to support us on Patreon. You may also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or send us your comments at everybodysnationalparks.com forward slash contact. We'd love to hear from you from the parks you are visiting, so please tag us at hashtag everybodysnationalparks. Most of all, enjoy exploring the national parks with your family. Bye for now.